Good evening and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers. I am your host, Dorothy O'Dell, for this evening. And tonight's sponsors are the Unstoppable, or sorry, is The Secrets of Death book by Dr. Joseph DeTore. Uh, this book is filled with rich and detailed information on this gripping military factual thriller that shows the depths of darkness acquired after years and decades of service. Get your copy today on either Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And for the second sponsor, I, I have to bring up somebody. Normally, we don't do live sponsorships, but this lady is pretty amazing. And Janet, welcome. Thank you, Dorothea. <laughs> So the other sponsor of the show is still Camaraderie Rescue Mission, but, and for those of you that have not been around, I mean, you must have been under a rock because for the 20, last weekend, we did a 24 hour live fundraiser um, for Camaraderie Rescue Mission. And Jana is a huge ally of uh, Camaraderie Rescue Mission. And she just put out another incentive to, so that we could get more donations. So Janet, would you please share with us, with our viewers, what it is that you're so graciously willing uh, to contribute? Yeah, so what I've put out there for anyone who donates $300, uh, by the end of the month, I have five spots open for coaching and it's a three month coaching program, twice a month. And, uh, It'll take you from maybe you're stuck. Give you an example. When I finished my treatment uh, with a psychologist for PTSD, she says, you don't have to work with me anymore. And I said, now what? Because we just got rid of a whole bunch of stuff that was stopping me from doing things, but I had nowhere else to go. So this is my path now. So if you're stuck somewhere in your life, or you have a challenge, that's what we'll do in those three months is we'll get through it. Thank you so much, Janet. <laughs> we like so appreciate you. Um, and like if, if for any of your coaching needs, definitely get a hold of Janet because this lady is amazing. Uh, she did an entire, uh, which I will be reposting um, tonight or tomorrow, an entire um speech for the United Nations as well. So definitely a lady that you want to know, get to know. If you don't know her, go stalk her over on LinkedIn. She's really amazing. Uh, and that's Janet Wiswati. And that's W-I-S-Z-O-W-A-T-Y is how you spell her last name. So definitely get in contact with Janet and um, definitely um, look her up and check what it check out what she's up to because she's always up to something <laughs> always anywhere in the world so in the comments i just put um to make your donation your 300 dollars donation uh, you know you get that three month uh one-on-one -on -one coaching from janet for the first five people that donate 300 dollars uh go to tinyurl.com backslash hope for butts uh, to make your donation today. And Janet, we just so greatly appreciate you. Um, Janet is always helping our veterans out. And she's also um, a first responder veteran as well. So uh, Janet knows what it's like to definitely need the services that the Commander Rescue Mission um, has for our veterans and our first responders. So thank you so much, Janet. We truly appreciate you. You're very welcome. Thank All you. right. Thank you. 
All right, so now we're going to get to the main host or the main guest this evening. And Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jazzy, how are you? I am amazing. You know, it's just been one of those days and it's been amazing. Cool. Good. <laughs> so, Dan, tell the world a little bit about who you are. Oh boy. Okay. How much time do we have? <laughs> well, hold, where do I stop? You've got 40 uh, minutes. <laughs> okay. So uh, let me just start that. Um, uh, I was born into a very rough uh, home in a very rough neighborhood, went to a rough school. Um, uh, a lot of things didn't go well. You know, uh, my, my dad had some mental health issues and he, um, self-medicated heavily with alcohol and the old saying from people, you know, the old Marine, uh, hard drinking, hard hitting Marine. That was definitely my father. And, uh, you know, me and my brother and my mom, I actually had two brothers and, uh, my, my four sisters, you know, we grew up, uh, in the North end of Hartford. Uh, we were the only white family living there in the North end of Hartford where our, in our neighborhood. And we, uh, you know, we got in a lot of fights and stuff like that. And we eventually moved down to East Hartford and uh, I found sports, you know, just like the, the super, super quick version is, you know, I was an undereducated, undersized uh, boy, had so many things wrong with me, so many things going against me. But like I found sports and sports kind of made a difference in my life. You know, it gave me like a goal, I guess toward work to something, you know, football, wrestling with the big ones, but I did the other ones, you know, basketball, baseball, uh, some of the, you know, the, the, the track stuff, but, but football and wrestling were the big ones that really gave me confidence and gave me a goal to work toward and to build some self-esteem and to build some muscle and some strength and to learn how to fight, which, uh, you know, me and my brother, we had to learn how to fight, you know what I'm saying? Like we were, we were in a very dangerous situation inside our own home, you know, and outside our own home. And we had to learn how to fight fast and uh, try, try to save ourselves and save our family and save whoever we could save. And I mean, to this day, I still fight for the other dog, you know, all the time, but sports, I think saved me, you know, and uh, made a huge difference in my life. Uh, you know, went out to be football state champs. I was a two-time state champ wrestler, two-time junior Olympian, and then came back as the coach, twice the coach of the junior Olympics, double veteran of the army and air force, you know, and an inner city school teacher for the last 25 years, working in some of the toughest conditions out there with some of the toughest kids, some of the most vulnerable population, some of the most angry kids you could imagine that are out there. And I literally knew I had to know how to fight in the early years just to be a teacher, you know, in my classroom, believe it or not. You know what I'm saying? But uh, over the years, I've developed a lot of other skills and I've uh, worked very, very well. You know, with the students, um, you know, I went off, I, you know, for an undereducated kid that could only get C's, you know, in school, I eventually went off to college and did well in college and completed 14 years of college and earned seven degrees. You know, I have uh, written over 30 books. You know, I speak on the stages all over the place. Um, and, you know, I got a pretty good life now. You know, I got a beautiful wife that loves me and I've got five precious children that are all doing something I didn't do well in school, you know what I'm saying? Doing well in school and they don't go out fighting, you know, on the streets like I did. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, my you know, my kids are just so different than, than I was growing up. But I'm so proud, Dorothy, that I've been able to create that family. I mean, I wasn't born into, you know, that family. Mm -hmm. You might have said that I like lost the birth lottery, you know, me and my brother and sisters, uh, actually both my brothers. 
not necessarily that we lot, you know, we didn't win there on the birth lotto. And I didn't get the family that I that I deserved, I would say. But over the years, by becoming, you know, a, a better and better person, a higher and higher quality person, by becoming this, you know, I was able to attract, you know, a, a high quality wife. And we were able to create, you know, the, the family that my wife and I both deserve. You know, we have finally, I have a great family. You know, five young kids are that are just amazing. A wife that's amazing. We live in a nice place. We do a lot of nice things. You know, we help people. We, you know, we, we, we give back all the time. And I'd say we're very, very fortunate. So where I am today is so different than where I was before. So I'd say to anybody out there, listen, you know, if you uh, didn't win the birth lotto, if you, a lot of things are going wrong, you know, maybe you married the wrong person and that person just kind of like ruined your life. I'd say it's not over. It's not over. Just get back in there. Get back in the ring. Fight. Fight for a better version of you. You know what I'm saying? Have that mm -hmm. empathy. Have that, that enthusiasm and energy. You know, work for your future self. You know, try to become the person that, you know, that, that you want to attract. You know, become that. And you can start over wherever you are. You can build an amazing life. And, then, and maybe, you know, at some point, you know, get the family that you do deserve. You know, get the life that you do deserve. So in a nutshell, Dorothy, that's it real quick in a nutshell. You know, I'll definitely expand upon that as we go back and forth uh, on that. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I, I, I love everything that you said. And no matter where you come from, you could always change that. Uh, you know, I just before we got on, Dan had sent me a manuscript for a book that's coming out of his. And I told him like I was in tears and sometimes I had to quit reading it because it was just like, wow, like how can you survive a childhood like you had um, with the abuse of abuse that you guys took from your father? I mean, that is just horrendous, but here you are today. And I love what you said, become the family that you want, you know, and, and a lot of people, that would have been in your, that have been in your circumstances, they just like, well, forget it. You know, if that's how I grew up, I'm not going to get any better. They end up in jail. They end up, you know, on the streets or they end up, you know, killing somebody because they're just so full of rage because of what they have been through. But you took it the other way and you said, no, that's not how I'm going to do this. I want my life to change. And you become the person that you want to emulate. And I just love that you said that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it, you know, it, it's been tough, but it's doable. I mean, there's so many different directions I want to go right now. My brain is just firing all these different responses that I could do to you. I mean, you know, my older brother's gone. My little brother's gone. My mom's gone. You know, I'm still standing. Um, it's, just, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I was just uh, doing a case study. Uh, and uh, I'm taking this uh, special education leadership academy. And I was just doing this case study with the cohort that I'm in. And there's a thing called the ACE score. You know, which is like your childhood trauma that you face, and uh, if you it's like it goes up to ten, uh, but if you hit a four, if you hit a four, like you're in serious trouble. Any kid that hits a four is in serious trouble. You know, they're gonna need like a mentor. They're gonna need some, you know, um, some counseling. They're gonna need a support system. Uh, otherwise, their life is just gonna be very, very difficult. So we were doing this case study, and we we were studying this kid um, who hit a six. You know, off the charts at a six, and. Uh, we had this renowned professor that was there at this conference and he's going, there was almost no way that this kid wasn't going to murder somebody eventually. You know, and he was high on drugs. 
he murdered his girlfriend and all that. And they're like, you know, it was a huge breakdown from society. The system should have helped him. There was almost no way this kid was gonna, wasn't going to kill somebody someday. You know, and I said to the, I said to the, the, the esteemed professor that was running the conference, I said, hey, I just want to tell you that I took that ACE score, uh, that ACE test. And um, I was a seven. Wow. And he, he looked at me, he goes, you know how statistically rare that is? He's like, that almost doesn't even exist, a seven. And I'm like, yeah, I took it. I have a seven. And he's like, how, 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 how'd you do it? <laughs> you know, because he was just, it blew his brilliant professor mind. You know, right. when he was sitting there saying that a kid with a six, there's almost no way he wasn't going to murder somebody. You know what I'm saying? But, but that's, uh, that's not even, I had a wrestler years ago. I had this young uh, wrestler. He had black, uh, black uh, fingernail polish, all of his fingers. His dad was always on his case, giving him a hard time. Talented kid, tough kid, right? And I was his wrestling coach. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, uh, Tony, what's going on, man? What's up with the black nail polish? And he goes, because I'm an angry black man. And I go, good, Tony, that's cool. We can work with that. And he looked at me like, what? I said, we can work with that. It's okay to be angry, Tony. And I, and I knew, I knew his dad was riding him. I saw his dad, you know, coming to the meets and all that. I know his dad was riding him to her, but I'm like, listen, Tony, I get you. You know, I was angry. You know what I'm saying? But that anger, what you've got to do is you've got to funnel it because that anger gives you energy. It gives you drive. It's like a hot, white, burning energy drive that if you funnel it, if you focus it, I said, you can go on to create an amazing version of yourself. You can use that energy that just almost never stops to go out and really do something special in this world, Tony. I'm like, you could do this. So you're an angry young black man? Good. I can work with that. So come on, let's get busy, right? Let's get going, right? So, uh, I mean, I think, that, that, I think that says it. I mean, a lot of people haven't been dealt a fair hand. A lot of people should be angry. You know what I'm saying? And to press that, those feelings down, you know, may just ultimately give you like an ulcer, you know, and give you social, yes. psychological problems. <laughs> You're angry? Good. Good. Admit it. Face it. Let's do something with it. You got a whole lot of energy right there that we can yeah. use you to do something good. Absolutely. So you've been a school teacher for 25 years in an inner city school. Yeah. Uh, what have been some of the highlights i guess you would call in that 25 year career so far like oh wow i mean it, it, there's ups and downs every day there were days when i had my worst day and my best day in the same class <laughs> you know uh there were days when i had the kids calling me names you know what i'm saying and, and being really really vulgar you know there were days when the picture of my wife was missing and some other kid you know, a couple of days later would bring it back to me and it would be like bent in half, you know? And I was just like, oh, you know, and there were other days when I had like great success stories. And when those kids came back, you know, and they were just doing so well. And I was like, you know, I really want to know what is your secret to just doing so well? Because you so beat the odds, you know? And, and quite a few of them said, mister, I was just trying to be like you. And, and, and that, wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Holy cow. When a kid says, I was just trying to be like you. You know what I'm saying? And the kid turned it around. 
You know, saying turned it around and went out and did something, you know, and came back and let me know. So, I mean, those are those are such great moments. I mean, and I got to tell you, um, it's fun being a teacher. It's hard. It's very hard, right? But it's I can't even imagine. What's yeah. what grade do you teach? Uh, I've taught all grades, but right now I'm doing high school. So let me just give you a quick, quick rundown. You know, I taught adult ed. I taught special education and mainstream regular education at the elementary school level, the middle school level, and the high school level. I think my longest run in one job was when I had 10 years as the high school history teacher. And then I bought some, I did, like I said, I did adult ed, I did online university professor stuff. Um, I've taught all sorts of classes. I mean, I was an ESL teacher. I was a Spanish teacher. I was a history teacher. And you name all the things in social studies, you know, geography, civics, U.S. history, world history. You know, it just goes on and on. Psychology, philosophy. You know, I did all that stuff. And I taught middle school math, middle school English, you know, say middle school science. You know, um, I co-taught. You know, I have inclusion. I've done self-contained with the real trouble behavior kids where I did all the academic subjects. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I've just done so much. And, uh, and right now, I got a pretty cool job now. This is my fifth year where they pulled me out of the high school and put me in the alternative uh, high school, the behavior school for the kids that are troubled. And uh, they made me the special ed teacher that's over there. And then I've done that. You know, I've done that too. All right. So they made me the special ed teacher who teaches all the social studies classes because I'm dual certified. Like I said, I, you know, I have 14 years of college and seven degrees. So right. I teach the... Um, I teach the, uh, the high school kids all the social studies class. I teach a life skills class and I do all the special education stuff. You know, the special ed meetings, the PPTs, the IEPs, you know, and I could throw out a whole bunch of alphabet soup. Right? <laughs> so I do all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, and I run after school clubs sometimes. You know, I was the wrestling coach, the football coach. You know, uh, I've done so many things. And I got to tell you, Dorothy, I wouldn't be an author if it wasn't for my students. For about 10 years, my students said, Mister, you got to write a book so you could tell other kids the things you tell us. And for 10 years, I was like, nah, no, no I'm not that smart. <laughs> Plus, I stink at writing. I'm terrible. I can't write my name barely. Right? So, um, so I'm like, nah, nah, nah. So after about 10 years of different kids saying it and it becoming more and more frequent, one day I was driving home and my buddy Dave called me from Florida. And he's like, hey, Dan, guess what? Now, this is a guy. Everything he touches starts to go, right? Brilliant, brilliant guy, all that. And then he goes, he goes, I'm gonna write a book. I'm thinking, yes, of course, guys like you write books, right? So I, I tell him, I'm like, Dave, you're not gonna believe this, but just again today, well, you know, my students told me that I should write a book. And he's like, Dan, you should. I was like, what'd you say? Dan, you should. And I'm like, really? <laughs> that night I went home. And Dorothy, I set my alarm clock for 4 a.m. I'd been getting up at 5 to go to the gym. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I set my alarm clock for 4 a.m. Got up and wrote for an hour before I went to the gym. And I did that for the next 365 days in a row without taking a single day off. Wow. And next thing, and I had, a, I had a book in my hands. And I said, wow, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Oh, my gosh. It worked. You know, and then I just went on and just did the second book and the third book and the fourth book. And now, you know, I'm like, oh, more than 30 books, more than 30 books. Um, wow. And many of 
Many of them have an Amazon bestseller on multiple, multiple days. You know, it kind of goes up and down all the time, your books do. Yeah. So I've done some pretty amazing things. And like I said, my kids, my students, you know, are, are the ones that spurred me toward becoming an author. I would have never done it without them. So like you said, you know, good days, bad days, good periods, bad periods, good times, bad times. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like every single day in public education, in the inner city. It's like every single day. Amazing things happen and terrible things happen like every day. And you just hang in there. You just hang in there and you come back tomorrow, you know, and you do it again. And and that, well, that would be challenging. Like, I can't even imagine because, I mean, I had to homeschool for maybe four months when the pandemic first hit. And I was like in tears, like most days. So I can't even imagine dealing with inner city children day in and day out. You must love what you're doing because that's the only thing I can say that would keep you well, going. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Dorothy, I mean... Like when I talk to my students, I'm like, listen, I'm not that far away from you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I grew up like you. You know what I'm saying? And most of them are like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And I'm like, but but I did. You know, I grew up like you. And I, and I can remember, like, you know, I can remember the early days when a kid would come up to me and a kid would say, hey, mister, Frankie's got a shank. He's going to freaking cut you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm pulling Frankie out into the hallway. Oh, and I'm my like, hey, give me the shank. You know what I'm saying? And I'm standing just far enough back where I could use, where I can dodge a move and come in and use my wrestling skills as a two times junior Olympian. So I wasn't worried about mommy giving me the shank. And he did. He gave it to me. He was doing this. <laughs> but he gave me a shank. You know what I'm saying? Oh, um, I had multiple, multiple situations like that. You know, it wasn't just one, it was several situations like that. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, you know, nobody got hurt, everything was fine. And, uh, you know, we all came back the next day, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, you know, here I am uh, two and a half decades later, you know, uh, still making life better for kids who, you know, uh, society hasn't given many, uh, many good things to, you know, and, and I'm the guy. I'm the guy that's in their classroom that's not afraid of them. You know, I'm the guy that loves them and takes care of them. And I'm the guy that can relate to them. You know what I'm saying? And I just, I just somehow, you know, I somehow make it happen. You know, um, you know, one of them said to me, uh, the other, like, like last week or week before, they said, Hey, mister, you know why we never give you any trouble in class? And, I, and I'm like, why? And they go, because you don't act like you're better than us. And I'm like, yeah, that's not my game. You know, to me, everybody in my classroom is family. You know, we're all family. We're all in this together. You know, it's a tough world out there. And I know that firsthand, you know, Dorothy, as you know, because you read my manuscript for my memoir. I mean, I know that firsthand that how it's a tough world out there. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you're in my circle, you know, you're you're not my competitor. You're not my challenger. You know, you're my family. If you're in my circle, you know, and, and, my, and I got big arms for big circles. You know, saying I don't exclude people. Come on in. Come on into my circle. Right. I'm like family. Oh, we needed a teacher like you when I was going to school. I had all, like, I, I'm i not going to say hard asses. I don't know what I had. It was a combination. And, and some of them, I had one in the college. Like, here I am paying for my education. And I had one in college that basically had his girlfriend teach us uh, computers. 
he was so close to retirement. He didn't care. Uh, she, she was teaching us computers and he was just there for the paycheck. He knew, we knew that by the end of the year he was done. And mm -hmm. you know, when you're, well, especially when you're paying for your education, it's, it, that's a hard pill to swallow, but you know, it's having somebody who cares. It's just like having a boss that doesn't care. They're just there to get in and get out. And, you know, you can't have any leadership under that type of person, but Dane, like, seriously, the way you're impacting and molding these children, um, you know, and, and you're going to have more than one come up and say, you know, because of you, I didn't, I didn't give up for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when I was at that conference this weekend, uh, before the conference was over, I told you about that, that boy that had a six on the A score that murdered his girlfriend. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, presenters came up to me about halfway through the conference this, uh, this past weekend and said, Hey, Daniel, if Nathaniel had you as his teacher, I think he would have had a chance if he had you as his teacher. I mean, because that's what kids need. Kids need one, one person in their life, you know what I'm saying, who, who, who can take them under their wing, show them a little empathy, you know what I'm saying, show like a little enthusiasm toward them, you know what I'm saying, help them figure out, you know, who, who's your future self? You know, who do you want to become? Because, you know, this isn't it right here. You know what I'm saying, you're not going to, you shouldn't be like, 48 years old with like an 18 year old mind or an 18 year old way of thinking. You know what I'm saying? So think about, you know, you're 28, you're 38, you're 48 yourself. Who do you want that person to be? So how you can't stay here as like a 16 year old or like a 14 year old or whatever you are, you know, so you're going to think about your future self. You know, you're going to just, there's so many opportunities out there. If you, if you just don't give in, don't give up, keep, keep just chipping away. You know, chipping away. Um, if you get that one person in your life, you know, I was just—I just gave a speech at a uh, one of the largest, maybe second largest high school in Connecticut. It was over two thousand students last week, and the uh, the class president that introduced me. Before she introduced me, she turned around. And she said, "Hey, Mr. Blanchard, I I just want to tell you that you, I, I am so impressed with you, and, and she's like the stuff you did." And I go, "Hey, I go, you know what? I I, I just chipped away at it." I just chipped away at it. Now, I didn't do anything amazing. I just chipped away at it. I was never really smart, you know what I'm saying? I was never really talented. I just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away so slowly, just chipped away every single day. You know, set my alarm clock for 4 a.m. again the next day, you know, and then again and then again. And then I just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And then I'm like, holy cow, I graduated college. You know what I'm saying? You know, holy cow, I got multiple degrees. And I, holy cow, I wrote a book. Holy cow, I got multiple books. Holy cow, I gave a speech. Wow, I've given a bunch of speeches now. You know, wow, keynote speeches, you know, international. You know, speaking in India now, next next Sunday. I'm going to be speaking in India. You know, so, uh, wow, I'm doing that again. You know, I did that back over the summer, spoke in India. So, um, and trust me, I am no more talented than anybody in your audience. Dorothy, I'm like, I was undereducated, undersized, underdeveloped, undercared for, you know, um, uh, gosh, there's so many things could have gone wrong in my life. And so, I kept away. When and you were younger, what, because when we're young, we really, we really don't have a clue what's going on, but growing up in the abuse that you grew up in, what would you say was the one thing that kept getting you through each day to, to do that one step and do that one step? This is going to sound crazy, Dorothy. People ask me this this type of question. Who was your mentor? Who got you through it? And all that. And, and, and it's just 
crazy. I've never, I don't know if I've met anybody who says what I say, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I wasn't smart. I was tiny, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I wasn't the, uh, you know, later on, I would go on the break the Connecticut bench press record and all that. But back then I was just tiny and I, you know, I didn't have anything going for me and except for weekends on weekends, you know, I watched professional sports. Like I wanted to be like Dr. J. You know, he could fly through the air like that. Julius Urban from the Philadelphia 76ers and dunk that basketball, you know, and play like he did. It just gave me hope that I could do something. You know, when I was watching the Notre Dame football on Saturdays and the team was winning, right? And they had those great players. I was just like, oh, I want to be like that. When Rocket would run back a kickoff, I'm like, I want to be like that. You know what I'm saying? So I watched all these plays, you know. Uh, when I watched, uh, uh, I, I, I love the freaking San Francisco 49ers. So when Joe Montana threw another pass and Dwight Clark caught it in the back of the end zone, I was like, yeah, I want to be like that. I want to be somebody who does something special. You know what I'm saying? So as, as crazy as an answer, Dorothy, as that is, I mean, I, I didn't know where else to look. There was nobody else coming to help me anywhere. Only thing I could do was just watch my sports heroes on TV and be like, I want to be like that. You know what I'm saying? I want to be somebody who does something special. And that, that was like the driving force for me. And then later on, when me and my brother got like a weight set, the other driving force, which made a big, big difference, was that we had, I mean, we were just little boys. You know, I was like, uh, like in fifth grade, you know, my brother was in like seventh grade, you know, saying we hit those weights, which like an intensity unknown because we had to, in our little teeny boy minds, we had to get strong enough to protect our family from our father, you know, a full grown man, a former Marine. Uh, and you get this little fifth grade boy and this little seventh grade boy, my big brother, you know, like scared if we don't get strong enough fast enough, that something really, really bad going to happen to our family somebody's going to be killed in our family if we don't do this so we hit the weights i was the only like eighth grade kid that weighed like a hundred pounds that was bench pressing 200 pounds in eighth grade it blew people's minds that i could bench press 200 pounds in eighth grade you know what i'm saying <laughs> and then high school boom it just kept going on and like i said eventually break the the record the bench press record in connecticut you know i was the army push-up champ for six years in a row undefeated you know um you know me and my brother we learned how to fight you know we learned how to fight in the streets we learned how to fight in the wrestling mat and it was important that we learned how to fight and fight well because we had a family to try to save from a very very angry uh abusive drunk who was you know, really suffering like from mental illness. Um, it was scary. We had so much drive, you know, in us that now that I look back at it and I'm like, it shouldn't surprise me, you know, that I broke the Connecticut bench press record and that I was a two times. You no, know, I made I made varsity as a freshman in place in the States as a freshman, you know, beating all beating the seniors. I remember I wrestled the returning state champ, captain of Killingly. He was a senior and I pinned him first period. I was a freshman. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people were like, whoa, you know, how did that happen? You know, it was just, but I like, I, I, I had to do it. So right. I guess I look back now and I'm like, it isn't surprising that I was a two-time state champ wrestler, two-time junior Olympian wrestler. Um, and, and me and my brother pretty much never lost street fights. <laughs> we never <laughs> lost street fights. And at one point, Dorothy, as you know, because you read my manuscript, right? I mean, I was in eighth grade. And 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 the fight the the fight went down, you know, between my brother and my father, 
And and my brother won. He won that fight. And and then that was the end. That was the end of my father hurting us. And my brother stopped him. And that was the end. My father tried a couple more times, but my brother let him know. My brother freaking put him down on the ground again, you know, let him know that you are no longer the guy around here that beats everybody up. You know, saying my brother beat me to it. You know, he was a lot bigger than me and stronger than me and all that sort of stuff. Older than me. Um, he beat me to it. Um, you know, I I I didn't get there. You know, my brother got there for I guess for all of us. And uh and then the violence stopped in my house. Right. Um, so and have- <laughs> for the, for people that haven't been able to read your manuscript read, um, or your memoir, which is coming out soon. Um, I, I, no one tried to stop him. No one saw the bruises on you guys at all. Like, I remember, I remember in some of what I read, like they would have had to have seen it. <laughs> My mother put makeup on us every morning before we went to school. So me and my brother wore makeup to school like a lot of mornings. We wore makeup. And it was in those days, the, the, the police showed up on my house three times a week, sometimes three times a night. And every single time, this is what they did. They walked in, looked around, said to my father, what's going on here? And he said, nothing. Everything's fine. Everything's under control. And my mom would be in the corner crying. My brother would be like in the corner crying. The police officers would look around a little bit. They'd say, uh, sir, why does your wife have bruises on her? And he would say, she bruises easily. And then the cop would say, the cops would say, so is, everything is okay, right? And my father would say, yeah, everything's fine. And they'd say, all right, well, good night, everybody. And the cops would leave. Now, as a little boy, you know, when the cops show up at your house, you think they're going to arrest the bad guy and save you. Instead, mm-hmm. all they did was say, good night. And they did, they did that like three times a night. Some nights, three times a week was probably the average, but there were some nights they did that three times a night where they were like, take care. And then as soon as they were down the road, my father would freaking go nuts again. <laughs> wow. And so would that, I'm sure that would have changed your perception of what a police officer would be like for you guys then. Um, you know, they, they, it, they didn't help us. Yeah. Now, now today I know, you know, there's all sorts of laws that any kind of call, any kind of domestic disturbance or whatever dispute, somebody gets arrested. And I honestly believe that that pendulum has swung too far, you know, saying that, you know, I don't think somebody needs to be arrested every time there's a domestic disturbance, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I think there should be some kind of judgment calls, but the judgment calls in the 1970s were like terrible. You know, it was just, it was just like a, a husband had a license to beat his wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and had a license to beat the kids back in those days. Wow. It was and, it was hot. <laughs> and now I and correct I please correct me if I'm wrong or even if you wanted to answer this question, but is isn't that how your mom passed away too? Was from the abuse eventually? Yeah, the doctors. She passed away at sixty, which was way too young. And I always say that she passed away from a life that was too hard officially. The doctors said that she had some kind of internal bleeding. They couldn't find a cause of it, you know, and um, she used to have to go and get blood transfusion or blood pumped into her body uh, every few weeks. Um, And then eventually she just passed away from that. But I always say, you know, here's a woman, you know, seven kids working the graveyard shift as a nighttime supervisor at the convalescent home as an RN nurse. 
and um, barely sleeping during the day because she's running seven kids around. You know, my father didn't run us around, you know, not really. I mean, maybe once in a while, but not really. You know what I'm saying? So my mom ran us all around. She paid all the bills. And then my father would beat her when he, when he came home drunk. He'd beat her for like a coat hanger being on the door, you know, or something insignificant. He would beat her many times. You know, his manhood was challenged. He wasn't paying the bills, but at the same time, his manhood was challenged when she was paying the bills. Uh, mm -hmm. Many times he'd grab her keys and try to hide her keys, make her late for work, smack her around when she was walking out the door saying, uh, you, don't you go to work or something like that. Uh, and it was just like, uh, well, how are we going to eat? If my mom didn't go and work the graveyard shift, she's the one that pretty much paid the bills. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, it was just such a lose-lose situation. So I would say between working the graveyard shift, like almost never sleeping, and having that that insurmountable stress, uh, she I, I say that she, she died from a hard life uh, that she shouldn't have had. Right. She shouldn't have had uh, that life. Um, and I remember telling her too, like me and my, my sisters, my brother, we, we'd sometimes, she'd come home from work and I, I, and you don't know this story, Dorothy, it wasn't in the book, but she would come home from work sometimes, um, you know, Chris would be like bruised or whatever, you know, maybe I'd be bruised and all of us, you know, she'd have her nursing uniform on, all of us would meet her. So when she came in the house, we'd all meet her. We have our piggy banks. You know, we might have like 87 cents and change, you know, in our piggy banks. And we would say, here's your piggy banks, mom. Let's run away. Let's run away. And my mom would always go, no, you don't run away from your problems. You, you know, that's not, that's not what you do. You don't get a divorce. You don't break up the family. You know what I'm saying? You don't run away. You know, the family stays together. And I was just like, wow, you know, and we were all like, I, I don't understand. I guess marriage is just so sacred, you know, uh, that it was just so sacred to her, you know, but we were just like, we were fine. She was like, where, where are we going to sleep? I'm like, I don't give a crap if we sleep on grandma's basement floor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We'll do that. But she right. was, no, she goes, you don't get a divorce. When you get married, you stay married. You know, it was just like, whoa, you know, as kids, we didn't get it. But it was, I guess it was important to my mom, you know, for the marriage to stay and the family to stay and for her not to break up the family. You know, uh, it was really, really important to her. Uh, you know, God bless her. God bless her. But um, uh, she dealt with too much. Right. You know, dealt with too much. And we all did. And, you know, and here's the thing. Um you know, uh, you know, it's been said, it's been said by some of the great thinkers of the world, you know, that, um, you know, when, when these things happen to you, you know, there's, there's two paths you can choose, you know, and one is you can like turn inward and you can become negative and you can become like self-defeating and you can take on self-injuring behaviors, you know, whether it's drinking too much, whether it's cutting yourself, whether it's eating too much. You know, with it's fighting all the time, you know, you could do those things, or you could take the other path. You know, where it just you, you see it as a challenge somehow, somehow, like your inner strength activates, and it becomes like a challenge for you to go out and for you to become stronger. You know, what I'm saying, and I think that's like what happened to me. You know, with my brother, it was the opposite. You know, what I'm saying he was always, always angry, always, always fighting. Like he never, he didn't, he didn't funnel his anger like I did you know, as well as I did into like the sports and into like trying to become successful. Instead, he just kept fighting and fighting and fighting, always, you know, fighting the police, fighting authority figures in and out of jail all the time. And, you know, me and my brother, we grew up in the same home. 
two brothers from the same hole, you know, and that's how it worked. Well, and that is so true because I look at my brother and I, we're the same home. We're completely different, completely night and day difference. Uh, same, same parents <laughs> grew up with the same moral, same values. Um, and you know, you could, you could still have that, this, the two different, um, two different people turn out two different ways. And, but, you know, thank God for sports for you, you know, and a lot of, a lot of women can't stand sports. And, and in our household, it's either hockey or football on, I will admit. Um, and my husband is blessed because, you know, he, I, I allow it. I'm like, there's worse things he could be watching. Oh. Um, and, and sports is very, um, you know, if you look at the great players and you see what they've gone through to get to where they're at today to become great, you know, like you said, getting like yourself, getting up at four o'clock in the morning, doing what you need to do to get your books done, then doing uh, working out at the gym at five and then going and pouring your heart and your soul into these children uh, so that they can have a better life. I mean, it's all about choice and it's about, you know, what do you want? Do you want to do you want to be just like. Some of us had great childhood and some of us didn't. So are you going to let that define you or are you going to let that uh, move you forward to your goals, I guess, is, is what I should Yeah, say. it kind of goes back to Tony, doesn't it, Dorothy? Where Tony yeah. said, I'm an angry young black man. And I'm like, good, we can work with that. We can work with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to go do bad things. Yeah. You know, we could do good things with that. You know, if you just if you just let me help you, we could do good things with that. And going back, going back to what I was saying before, there's that one person again. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's the if it's the wrestling coach, if it's the school teacher, is it the crossing guard, is it the cafeteria lady, is it your your mother's best friend, the neighbor? It doesn't really matter who it is. You know what I'm saying? If every adult just kind of looked around for one kid to try to make a connection with, um, wow, we could raise a, a we could do some pretty good things for the next generation. You know, all adults did that. I mean, I named uh, my, my book series Granddaddy's Secrets on purpose because the way I saw it, there was two things going on here. One is uh, today's parents are just overwhelmed. Many of them working two jobs mm -hmm. just to try to put food on the table, you know? So what happens is the parents are not there for the kids physically as much as they should be. And then when they get home, they're tired. So they're not there mentally and emotionally and psychologically as they should be, you know, but, but guess what? You know, those forgotten grandparents, you know, they're retired, you know, they're, they're not, they're not killing themselves at work. So bring them in the picture, let the grandparents connect with the kids. You know what I'm saying? And there's something magical there. So granddaddy's secrets. And then the, the kids, listen, you, you know, you're not, you're, you're not so wise. Just listen. They're not just old people. Listen to them. You know what I'm saying? And then I say to the grandparents, I'm like, they may act like they don't want to listen to you, but trust me, they need you. They need you, and you could play a major role in this. Now, if you're a parent that's not overwhelmed, that's not working two jobs, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Just to put food on the table, and you are available physically and psychologically available to your kid, then be available. You know what I'm saying? Be available to your kid. Be there and be present for your kid. You know what I'm saying? Because um, you could make a huge difference in your kid's life, and if not, then the grandparents hopefully can step in as substitutes and make a huge difference in the kids' lives. And that's why the whole granddaddy's secrets thing kind of works its way up and down, you know, the granddaddy's secrets thing. Um, and if and if we don't have that mix, you know, I'm just saying, you know, granddaddy doesn't have a grand grandson around or granddaughter around. Well, what's the next door neighbor kid doing? 
you know, make a connection with that kid or the kid that you always see down the end of the block, just sitting on his bike all alone, you know, with nothing to do every day. You know what I'm saying? Go make a connection with that kid. So I think if all the adults tried to look around for a kid to make a connection with, we could do some good, good things. We could do a lot of good, you know, if we all did that. Absolutely. As you were talking, I'm like, who was my one person that I looked up to? But I guess, you know, if it wasn't my grandfather, it was my dad. And, and eventually once I realized um, my mom and I were too much alike um, and I, we kind of butted heads with me growing up. Oh, yeah. So I, I was just like very frustrated a lot with her, but um, since I've come to understand and know her more and better and appreciate you know, being a stepmom myself, like which, what she's gone through, it's just like, you know, and it's true. Like we always had my grandparents yeah. and, and they are important, played an important role in our lives. So Absolutely. I love that you said that. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, Dorothy, um, when I was in eighth grade, my one of, one of my football coaches pulled me aside and said, and he, and I didn't know what was about to happen. You know, he, he just, he, he took a role in my life like the next decade. And he said, um, hey, what are you doing after football season's over in the winter? And I'm like, oh, I play basketball. And he's like, let me bring you to a wrestling tournament. And I was like, um, uh, all right. He goes, come on, bring it to practice first. And I was like, all right, I go, can I do basketball and wrestling? And he's like, yeah, sure. You know, middle school, you could, high school, you couldn't. So um, he brought me down to a wrestling practice, showed me like one or two moves. On a Tuesday night, Thursday night, same thing. Showed me like one or two moves. I knew like like three moves. He picked me up Saturday morning, brought me to a wrestling tournament. All right? Eighth grade. I never wrestled before. He took me to a wrestling tournament. I took first place. Right? Wow. In the wrestling tournament. Right? So I come out my freshman year. I make the varsity team, you know, as a freshman. Right? And, right. and then this guy, Mr. Knapp, Mr. Vinny Knapp, for like the next 10 years, He's picking me up and driving me all over to like elite wrestling practices, camps, uh, national teams. I mean, I was in my early 20s, you know, and, and I was going to like a community college and I'm like, listen, I'm done wrestling. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think I was coaching at this time. And he's like, no, get in the car. I'm taking you to the New York Athletic Club. And we would drive two and a half hours to get to one of the most, most prestigious wrestling clubs in the world. And I would get there. And I, I wrestled with world champs, international gold medalists, Olympic champs, uh, world game champs, Pan Am champs, you know, NCAA <laughs> champs. And I was in that room brawling with these like people that you only hear about. You don't even get to, you don't get to, you see these people on TV maybe in the Olympics, right? I'm right. wrestling like the world champ from China. I'm wrestling the world champ from Iran. I'm wrestling all in the New York Athletic. And then, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and, and, and Mr. Freddie Knapp is doing the two and a half hour drive home to bring me home. And, we're, you know, we're getting home like 1230, one in the morning. He's got to work in the morning. You know what right. I'm and he was so be that person to that child because you never know what that's going to be. You never know how that's going to be. Yeah. I mean, sometimes he was like yanking me off the streets. He's like, yeah. get in the car, get in the car. We're going. You know, so like, <laughs> I uh, love that. Oh, All right. We've got to transition into the next half of the show. I, I, did, I didn't want to cut you off, but we, we do have to get to the next part. So Kimberly, I will, you're muted, dear. Thank you. 
Thank oh, wow. you. I was, I was just, I was saying, no, we didn't have to get to the next part of the show. I, I we already were in the next part of the show. <laughs> we were in the next part. We were just I'm inviting the rest of them to the party. Yeah. Thanks for, yeah. Just thanks for bringing us into the party. Um, seriously. I mean, you, my cup runneth over. Um, it, you know, we, we say that the show is run by the Holy Spirit and we mean that it's run by the Holy Spirit <laughs> and Dan, you have no idea the difference you're making most specifically for Dorothy and I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are like trudging towards the finish line on some projects that have literally been sucking the life out of us. And we are hardwired like you where, you know, we're all about being a remarkable contribution and you have been literally the holy waters of the Holy spirit tonight, reminding me of, you know, all the, the things I've gone through in my childhood. And I've always had that same spirit. Um, and I know Dorothy and, and I can't wait to introduce Kimmy Kimmy, Kimmy has been one of those people for me that you're speaking of. And it's just, my cup just runneth over tonight, Dan. And your message is so true, you know, um, for, for the kids and really for the adult kids out there. You know, the ones in their 80s, 70s, 60s, and 50s that are like just dead in the water and resigned that that kind of joyful living is available to each and every soul. And even if it's only for a day that they get to live in the kind of joy that you've chose and it is a choice, right? It is a choice to either go in the direction of joy, faith, trust, and confidence that everything that you went through was for a purpose. And even yeah. if it saves one soul and it brings one soul into the light of joy, it's worth it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it just breathtaking. Well, actually breath giving is who you are. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and fundamentally right? fun. I don't know if you know this, damn it. It is fun. Capital F U N little D U H capital M E N T A L S. Right. So as we move into the fundamentals, thank you for being the living, breathing existence of what it looks like to be fundamentally alive, regardless of circumstances. You're welcome. And thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So we are in Chicago, Illinois tonight with the beautiful Kimmy Dvork, who is a phenomenal renowned artist. Um, who is, you can purchase her art online and, and she'll commission, she's, you can also commission her. And she has even, she has even done a painting for Mr. Robert Redford. She is amazing. She is incredible. Kimmy, what would you like to share? And she's our sponsor tonight. So along with Janet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to give Janet some airways too. Yeah. First of all, like Dan, like, yeah, just everything that can really said, I just have to acknowledge you too. Anytime, if I'm 
have energy running low, I'm just going to pop on Dan. Right? 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 This, show, I've, oh. this show is set for finishing strong for 2022 and roaring into 2023. It's like, I'm just going to play it. <laughs> roaring. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I'm Dan. Dan's me. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the mo it was all profound and beautiful, but the, just the chipping away, the chipping away, because people, we get so resigned, you know, as human beings, if we can't have what we want, like immediately or think it's supposed to go a certain way and then it doesn't, but it's like, if you just keep that progress, that little bit of movement, you start gaining mastery, you know? So, oh yeah. So thank you. Thank you for having that be alive for everybody here. Okay. And um, where am I supposed to start? <laughs> like, Anywhere you want, my love, just share with them what you, what you have to offer them and what, you know, what you, what's, a, what you have available for them. Mm -hmm. Well, I love going on the hunt through antique markets, estate sales, traveling around in my big yellow Jeep when I'm in the country, when I'm out of the country, I love ducking into little places and seeing what kind of treasures I can find to rip apart and reappropriate and create a whole new, um, like breathe new life into them, into jewelry. This is just a tiny little piece, but uh, with a cameo that was part of a bracelet, like this little delicate cameo. It's so fun in big warehouses to find these little tiny treasures. So that's one thing that I, love doing now and i you know it I, that's a more recent discovery it's probably something i've been into like my whole life and other derivations of living like with people bringing diverse things together and then just putting them all together and seeing what happens right it's like the experiment of it um but i also am uh, what i'm even better at i would say best at is drawing i also do large-scale paintings like kimberly said i'll do commissions my style, I would say, is expressionistic. There's a lot of animal and human form like woven together. And like every time you look at it, what people say when they purchase it, they're like, I always see something new. You know, there's always something new speaking to me. So I will share with Dorothy. My Etsy store is just for my jewelry, but I'll, I'll send that in the chat and you all can find me there and communicate with me there. Instagram. Yeah, and if anybody wants to contact me directly, that is um, a, that's a jellyfish painting, and that morphed into skull jellies. I could go grab one of those while while um, somebody else is sharing in a couple minutes, and you can see what that looks like too, because it's like the evolution of everything. That's got 1908 um, sheet music on there in the background, and then I layer it up with multiple, um, just different multiple um, gel mediums and things, and like then shellac the whole thing varnish it so it glows <laughs> love it so she bought love a little it. tiny one thank you kimberly that fit like perfectly <laughs> yeah awesome. yeah so that's i mean and I'll, I'll put this etsy so contact me through etsy instagram i'm working on my big you know artist website to get that's all all beautiful so that's under construction right now but you can find me um do you all want my like email or phone number two, just just Etsy, I think is fine, right? Etsy or and um, what is what? What do you go by on Instagram? Instagram is Scarab Sanctuary, and same on Etsy. So, so if you just my hashtag is hashtag Scarab, like the the uh, sacred beetle. Right. Um, yeah, hashtag Scarab Sanctuary, and then I'll put my Etsy in the chat for you, Dorothy. Perfect. That'd be great. And then I could just copy it over. So these amazing people can go check you out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Her jewelry is off the charts and she'll, she'll, she'll create the jewelry, whatever you want. Um, 
someone was uh, looking for something with a badger on it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, you know, you know, if you can't find a badger, do a cat. She's like, oh, no, we're going to find the badger. And in less than two weeks, she mm -hmm. had made that happen. So she loves making each piece uniquely for each human being. So that's yeah. not selling for anything less. You want a badger for your wife back in Bulgaria? That's what we will give her. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. So with that, thank you, Kimmy. Thank you for being our sponsor tonight. Sure. Janet, would you like to share a little bit more about your products and services? And, and again, we just thank you so much for your offering into the unstoppable camaraderie uh, fundraiser work that we're doing. So thank you so much. Oh, is she muted? Yeah, you're muted, Janet. She just followed my lead. That's you know, it's understandable. Yeah. See the influence you have on me. I know I got it. I got it. <laughs> hour together and uh, Dan, that was uh, awesome. And you're, it's so true that one person can change a life. And um, because if I had followed the route that everybody and my teachers thought, I certainly wouldn't have done the things I did. But one person told me I was smart enough to do more. And uh, I failed, I failed reading in grade five and now I'm an author. So, you know, teachers don't know everything, right? You know, Michael Jordan was not, he didn't make the basketball team the first go around. True. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my motto too, is that uh, one person's life. If we can all change one person's life, we'll change the world. And uh, that's uh that's what I want to do with people have done it for me. And so that's how I want to show up for someone else. And that's why the coaching is so important because we're, we can't see what's in us, but somebody else can see what's in us. And if we're encouraged and like I tell people, I'll hold that dream for you till you can hold it for yourself. Mm. Right. Mm. Because I know like, it wasn't for my friend to tell me that I was smart enough. And I had to believe her. She had a master's degree in education. I'm a high school dropout. You know, <laughs> she believed in me, right? So, so that's what I just want to say, Dan. You're doing a wonderful thing. And teachers make a huge difference. Make or break a kid. And, uh, you know, you can change a life. I trained with Jack Canfield. He used to be an inner city teacher in Chicago. Oh, I remember. And uh, he, he's, he's amazing. And so, um, and he is exactly what you see. There's no airs about him or anything. And he gives the best hugs. <laughs> so that's, that's a little bit about list. me, but I, I, I believe that we have so much more in us. I proved it. I certainly wouldn't be traveling the world like I have. It, or written that I have or doing what I do if it was not for somebody else's believe in me. And my husband, of course, is 100% behind me, which is good. 50 years, guys. 50 years. Married. Well, come on. Married. Come on. What did you do? Get married when you were 10? Or five? Or what? Like <laughs> <laughs> and I can do it. If I can climb a mountain every day on an archaeological dig at 50 with a bunch of 20-year-olds, so can you. 
Amen. Preach it, sister. Preach it. And with that, Janet, what are your five? What are your three fundamentals? I almost gave her five. Did you see that? Oh, I know. Never well, done that before. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what your definition of it is, but I think my fundamentals are travel. Uh, love traveling. And, you know, one thing I never thought I was, I know I am now, is teacher. Mm. Say facilitator, whatever. I, I don't teach to somebody. I guide them through the journey. And that, that feeds my soul. And and speaking. And Kim Kimberly and I did that hour. And we could have... I could have kept on going because I don't, you know, when I'm on a roll, I'm on a roll and you can't stop me. <laughs> yeah. Then we don't want to stop you. We don't want to stop you. Thank you so much. All right, Kimmy, what are your three? Oh, and this fits in perfectly with Dan couldn't have been a very, <laughs> you know, because I'd say on like a simple, like a human, like I'm taking care of myself so that I can go out and be big and bold and, you know, take care of the world, <laughs> you know, um, simple thing, like fundamental is have some kind of a routine, like a morning routine. I have people trained around me. I just stayed with Kimberly. She knows like roll out of bed at her house. And she's like, can I get you your tea? I spent the night with my boyfriend last night. He's like, can I get you your tea? It's just like the simplest little thing. I start with this morning thunder tea, you know, it's the logo. It's this charging buffalo which is like my power animal quote where can i put them yeah and, and so that's so simple and then the second thing is have your routine but don't be attached to your routine <laughs> you know like if you're traveling abroad which i just got back from berlin and prague and i ran the berlin marathon and if you don't have your tea with you or whatever it is that's your normal routine it's like you gotta you gotta so you don't make people around you miserable it's like have a blast with what's available in front of you um, so don't be too attached to your routine. And then the third thing is don't be attached to anything. Mm. Mm. Yeah, which, you know, I can, can be easier said than done. But I think like Dan is such a perfect illustration of that or somebody that like could have been attached to a whole hell of a lot in his life. He's like living life on his own terms now because he was so committed to other people and committed to having a great life and like gave up what it looked like and not like yeah. being attached to any of it. Beautiful. And then last quick thing I want I do want to say, Kimberly, don't even know about this, but um, blues legend and a very good friend of mine who um, was one of my first people that like welcomed me into Chicago and I hung out with all the time 20 years ago, Marty Salmon. He just died. He was only 45. We don't even know what it was yet, but he was the, the piano player for Buddy Guy and he mm. just passed away and he was a very good friend of mine. So, mm. yeah. So, you know, not being attached to any of it and like feeling, feeling sadness and, yeah. you know, love and appreciation for when, you know, if somebody reaches that stature, right. And that level of like traveling the world and being seen and as artist and living his most passionate life, like he lived fully, there's no doubt, man. So mm. it's such an inspiration for all of us. Well, such a great salute to him tonight. So I'm so glad we could do that tonight Yeah, um, for you and for him. Yeah. Dan, with that, would you like to bring us home in the fundamentals? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I'll just repeat uh, what I said before. I think that the three fundamentals for me uh, would be empathy. Empathy is the first one. No doubt about it. Um, and, and not to be confused with sympathy, you know, where you feel sorry for someone. 
You know, I'm not saying that when you're feeling sorry. Empathy is like when you're trying to walk a mile in their shoes. You know what I'm saying? You're like, okay, I, I can feel what you feel. You know, I get it. You know what I'm saying? So the empathy is very important. I think we all have to be empathetic. You know, it's it's really the highest form of intelligence out there. Amen. You know, um, I, I know sometimes people have said to me, oh, I can't believe you just sat there and just listened to that guy say that and didn't say anything back. And I'm like, why? You know, why, why would I need to say anything back? I was just listening to that guy. You know, that's it. So definitely the empathetic. Um, the empathy. And I would say um, in life, you need, I'm going to kind of put these two together real quick. Uh, you need the, the the energy and the enthusiasm in life. You know, that's what makes life worth living. Mm -hmm. I, like fun, exciting is the energy enthusiasm. Uh, and when you get that energy enthusiasm, what happens is you kind of like fire yourself up and you have this energy you didn't even know you had. You know what I'm saying? You can just keep going and keep doing things that other people are like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I just want to sit down and watch TV. You know what I'm saying? So the energy enthusiasm really gets you going. You know, I always say, um, you know, emotion creates motion. It you know? does. So yes. if you're enthusiastic, that emotion will create motion. So if you're enthusiastic, your energy and you're moving, your emotion creates motion. You're going, your cool things are happening, right? And then uh, I'd say the last one, is uh future self mm. you're saying today be kind to your future self because mm. it's your future self gonna need mm. from you know when i was little my future self needed to be stronger you know what i'm saying needed to be faster needed to know how to fight better uh then my future self needed to be educated so i took all the skills and all the drive i had in learning how to be strong and fight and finally put it into my education Mm. Okay. And then the, my future self needed to learn how to be a husband, mm. you know, and how to be a father. You know, those are hard jobs, but very, very important jobs, you know, mm. and, and very rewarding. Like I said, with teaching, you know, it's very hard, but it's very, very rewarding. And the same thing, you know, being a father, being a husband, you know. Um, and so now I've been thinking about, like, you know, what does the future dad need? I am. And, and that's not, not easy because none of us have a crystal ball, you know what I'm saying? But at some point, I mean, there's going to be other milestones in my life. You know, I'm someday I'll be a granddad and stuff like that. Someday, you know, I'll be tiptoeing on retirement and saying, okay, what do I do next? You know, that's beneficial uh, that, 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 to like the world, hopefully, you know what I'm saying? And, and of course, to my family, you know what I'm saying? So, so, so going back, I would say again, you know what I'm saying? The, the empathy. You know, the, the enthusiasm and energy, you know what I'm saying? And your your future self, you know what I'm saying? Be kind to your future self and help your future self. Set your future self up for like success and happiness. Well said, well said. And I, as OSC, always, blah, blah, Dorothy, all the fundamentals complement each other so beautifully, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And We've got the audience set up. So as always, our guests shine. They're of just course. amazing. So back to you, Dorothy. <laughs> Thank you. And wow, I just have to say this has been an amazing episode. Um, went by very quickly because Dan is, was just like, your story, Dan, is like so empowering. Um, and we say here that we set yourself up to empower you for the week. So uh and I, I just, 
Yeah, as I'm sitting here, this is has to be Monday night, but I'm thinking it's Tuesday for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what's going inside of my head right now, but it's just uh, like, wow. And and empowering this, everybody. And, and thank you so much, Dan, for, for bringing that in. And thank you, uh, Kimmy and Janet, um, for coming on and sharing your heart as well. Um, and... Uh, uh, your generous spirit, both of you, or all three of you, actually. Um, so with that, I just want to say thank you to our guests in the comments. And thank you to uh, Dan, Kimmy, and Janet for coming on and uh, bringing your heart and soul. And don't forget, guys, all it takes is to be that one person to somebody that can make a difference in their life. Um, if you didn't get anything out of the, tonight's episode, but that that is just wow. Like that is the number one thing. So be who you want to be for that person um, and show up for your future self. I love that. I love all of that. So thank you, Dan, for bringing that in and uh, be unstoppable in all that you do, guys. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same channel. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.